Hello everybody, you're listening to the Q&E Podcast. You are here with your boy Q Hicks right now. I got Eggert on the other line. Eggert, tell the people what's good. What's up everybody? We are here for another episode of the Q&E Podcast. Let's get into it. Yes, before we get into all our topics, I just want to give a big prayer, big, big prayer to David Stern, who is the former commissioner of the NBA. He's currently in a serious critical condition with the, um, a brain hemorrhage. If you don't know what that is, that's a type of stroke in or around the brain. So currently he's in the hospital. Just I want to send up a huge prayer for David Stern, man. He had a huge impact on the league, man. Definitely. So if this is your first time listening to the Q&E podcast, we are primarily sports podcast, but we just started breaking into um, movies and shows. So check out check out that podcast. And we also will be breaking into entertainment in the future. So definitely be on the lookout for all of that. This is our basketball podcast, so we were talking about NBA and college basketball. But first, I got some injury news, man. So it's been a week since we did the podcast, so we never talked about Luka and his high ankle sprain that he suffered against Miami. Edgar, how do you feel that uh, Luka's injury will affect the Mavs? Uh, I feel like it won't like affect them to the point where they'll just be completely taken out of playoff contention. Because I feel like he's gotten them to the point and he's given them the hope that they can uh, definitely maintain while he's out right now. Would they definitely fall down a little bit with, com- with some of their games coming up? I do think so. Uh, they got the 76ers tomorrow night, the Raptors on Sunday. Uh, they got a couple easy games after that with the – well, the Spurs, I want to say, are easy for them for them anyway right now. Yeah. But uh, – they, they do have a pretty tough schedule coming up. 76ers, Raptors, Spurs, uh, an easy game against the Warriors, and then the Lakers. So the next three to four games are definitely going to be tough. Uh, I'm not sure. How long did they say Luka was going to be out? They said around two weeks. Yeah, so this this stretch that he's going to be out, it will be a little hurtful, but I feel Porzingis can get them through it. Uh, he, he's been showing up pretty much ever since Luka has been down. So, I feel like they can maintain, and I feel like it'll um, definitely highlight how important Luka is to this Mavericks team. Yeah, so uh, Porzingis has really been getting off since he's been out. I think in the two games Luka has missed, Porzingis has dropped 30 in both of them. So, he's looking like the Porzingis that was playing in NY. Um, I was talking about Porzingis last week, how he needed to step up and. I guess without Luka, man, it's so much usage and so much points to go around, so Porzingis had no choice but to step up for this team. Um, but can Porzingis hold it down for the Mavs without Luka? Like, can he keep him afloat for the third seed? Because they played, they like played tough against uh, a Dallas, uh, not against a Dallas, but against a Celtics team last night, and they beat, uh, didn't they beat Milwaukee? They beat Milwaukee, yeah, they uh, snapped their winning streak. Yep. So can he keep him, like, afloat, like, for that third seed? I feel like he can. The fact that Luca was doing so much, the fact that, like you said on the last podcast, and even a podcast or two before that, you were talking about how Porzingis needs to step up and how we just haven't really seen him be the unicorn this season, really. Yeah. I think that's just because he's really just been sitting back, letting Luca have his moment and run the show since he's been doing it so well. But now yeah. that the spotlight is back on him, He's reminding everybody, hey, I'm still here. Hey, I'm still that second option for this team. And yeah. the past three games, actually the past four games, he's put up uh, 20-plus points, double-digit rebounds in all these games, you know. So I feel like he can definitely uh, he can definitely continue this streak. Even if they get a couple losses, I feel like it won't be on his account. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like Porzingis can be that lead role that the Mavs need while Luka is down right now. And I feel like the Mavs or everybody else is also stepping up. And Luka's injury is really highlighting everybody else on their team. Like, they have solid pieces all around. They have Jalen Brunson as their backup point guard. You still got J.J. Barea. You got Tim Hardaway, who's solid. You still got Porzingis. You got a, a mismatch of center, uh, centers who can go in and out. So they have a lot of pieces that you that are interchangeable. And I like that about Dallas. So Luka was, if you listen to the last couple of podcasts, Luka is my MVP or was my MVP coming into this week into his injury. So do you think this will hurt his MVP case or will it help it? Because if it will hurt it if they look good without him. I feel like it would hurt his MVP case. Or it could help him if they look bad while he's not playing. So he's like, oh, he's really valuable. They need him if they want to win anything. So do you think it will hurt or will help him? But I don't feel like it's – first of all, I want to say I don't feel like it's that obvious for a one-sided uh, – for a two-sided situation like that. I don't feel like if your team does bad without you, it means you should be MVP, and I don't think if your team does good without you, you shouldn't. I don't feel like it's that simple because, like I said, although the the Mavericks might the, – well, the way the schedule is, they're, they're going to have a tough road schedule and a tough home schedule with these next couple games while Luke is out for two weeks. So no matter how many games they win or lose, even if they stay stable where they are or drop down a little bit, it's still just going to show how important Luka is to this team. Because if they stay stable, it's just going to show how much better they can be when he's on the court. If they go down, that just shows how important he is to making sure they stay stable. So mm. I feel like no matter which way it goes, it'll help this MVP case. Okay. But I think... <clears throat> I think it I think it will possibly hurt it, bro. If people if they play good without him, if Porzingis actually steps up and it shows that he actually has help. Because I don't think coming into into this injury that a lot of people knew the rest of Dallas's supporting cast. So seeing them step up, I think could highlight that Luca probably isn't as well, he's obviously as important, but isn't as important as a Giannis is for his team or as a Braun is for the Lakers. So I think it could knock him down a couple of notches in that way. So I don't think it will like determine his value or for his team, but like in the MVP race, I think it could knock him down a couple of notches. If everybody is looking at Dallas and Dallas is winning without him, it's like, mm, people could obviously start questioning. Like, mm, I mean, they but could do, do if, something without him. If you think back to when Steph Curry won his MVP, it's not the unanimous MVP, but the, the first time he won MVP, you can make the case that it's kind of a similar situation. Obviously, the Mavericks team is nothing like the Warriors, but the fact that Clay, Draymond, and the rest of that supporting cast, they could do well without Steph if Steph was to get injured. And it would basically just be they're twice as good as what they are when he's not on the court. And I feel like that's where the Mavericks are. The Mavericks are playing good right now without Luka, and it's just when you add him to it, it just makes them even more unstoppable almost. You feel me? So I feel like that's the role that Luka is playing right now. He's like the it's not fair piece. Mm, okay. I feel that. I feel that in a way. Okay, the next topic we have is KG and Braun. So earlier this week, man, KG was on, I think he was on Bill Simmons' podcast. And he said that he broke LeBron in 2010 and made LeBron run to Miami with D. Wade and team up with him, man. And a lot of people are, it's like a lot of mixed responses, man. A lot of people have been on 
the LeBron side, but there has been or has been some conversation about, well, they're kind of right. So how do you feel about it? I feel like KG was wrong with this. Uh, did Boston play a factor in LeBron leaving? Yes, but I don't think KG has the right to sit there and just say we broke him. We're the only, we're the main and only reason why he went to Miami because he couldn't beat us. And I don't feel like that's a fair, uh, I don't feel like that's a fair um, uh, critic to say criticism to say because first off. You're Kevin Garnett, you got Paul Pierce, you got Ray Allen, and you got a young Ray John Rondo. Like, you have a big three plus a, a good point guard who can manage the game very well. And you got LeBron James, Anderson Verjao, Delonte West, and a bunch of other people who just really were just roster fillers, if we're being completely honest. So I feel like that wasn't a fair comparison. It was basically three against one, and you were just – like piling on to the fact that you couldn't beat us. And I don't feel like that was a fair thing for KG to say because you could definitely make the case that he had to leave the Western Conference because you can't get past Kobe and Shaq or Tim Duncan and Tony Parker. So a case could be made that you got ran out of the West the same way you feel you ran LeBron out of Cleveland. And a lot of people don't even know that LeBron had a lot of locker room stuff going on as well that played a huge part into why he left. He mainly left Cleveland because of a lot of inside organization stuff that was being done to him very unfairly and unjustifiable. Yeah, that boy Delonte West was all up in his mind. But, hey, I remember when that junk came out, bro. That junk was crazy, bro. I thought it was a rumor, though, bro. I don't remember when it was confirmed true, bro. But when I first heard it, I definitely thought it was a rumor, bro. That junk was funny. But, um, yeah, that, that's definitely the main reason why LeBron left Cleveland. He, and he obviously, he hit a wall with Cleveland. Like, they were, I think they were, like, cap-strapped. They really couldn't get better. They were stuck with the same, like, cast around him, like Mo Williams. It has the Junius Elgowskis. And I think, like, the for a couple of years, Mo Williams was even an all-star. So, Mo Williams was a solid piece. But other than that, man, it was he really didn't have nobody. So, I agree with Eggett, bro. He didn't break LeBron. LeBron just didn't have help, and he just hit a wall, truly. But what's and being... Also, if you if you think about it, Dan, I feel like Dan Gilbert was the true reason why LeBron left. I mean, of course, as you said, they couldn't get him, like, extra pieces to do something in Cleveland. After being there seven years, it's like, okay, y'all not giving me pieces to work with. It's basically me by myself and whoever y'all just pick up after all the uh, after all the draft picks. It's whoever y'all just bring on the roster at that point. But also the fact that Dan Gilbert went out his way to say that he was quitting on the team not only in the playoffs, but even at some points in the regular season sometimes. So No, nah, he said that no, nah, bro. He said that after. He said that after LeBron left. So that didn't have nothing no, to do but, with him. But leaving. I'm saying like the fact that he felt that way during that moment. He didn't say it when LeBron was still there, but he was feeling that while LeBron was there and then said it afterwards. So Yeah, but I feel like if he was stayed, that would have kept that would yeah, he wouldn't have felt that no more. Because if he stayed, he would have had no hurt feelings. He just said that out of spite, bro. I don't feel like that was something he really felt. And if he did, then it is what it is because they made it up at the end. But, dang, uh, dang, give it made me sick. But I think we all forgot that, or it made me realize that the Celtics didn't break LeBron, but somebody has broken LeBron before. And we've seen it in the 2011 finals. So I know everybody want to pile up on KG like LeBron is, like, so invincible and, and that he couldn't be broken. It's like, bruh. 
LeBron broke down in that 2011 finals against the Mavs, my G. Like, we, LeBron could have four titles right now. So let's not act like LeBron is invincible, my G. That's all I wanted to say when everybody was piling on KG. Because it was like, oh, LeBron, y'all ain't break him, y'all ain't break him. And it's like, man, one person really broke LeBron. You know what I'm saying? Dirt and whiskey. Dirt and whiskey broke LeBron. If we can completely honest. So that's something I took away. When everybody was piling on KG, I had to look in the other direction, bro. So LeBron has been broken before, in my opinion, bro. Uh, yeah, that was, I, I'll agree, because I'm a diehard LeBron fan. And the fact that that was one of the most hard, that was one of the hardest finals performances for me to watch. Like, for that being my favorite player, to see him melt down the way he did in that finals. I mean, yeah, of course, the rest of his career after that, is like he bounced back to the point where oh, yeah. you almost don't mention it anymore. Yeah. But the fact that it's still, we'll, we'll never forget that. The same way we'll never forget the 3-1 comeback, we'll never forget that moment you just had a complete meltdown. For sure, for sure, for so sure. So sure. I have to hold that against him. I, I really do. So. Yeah. And uh, I don't want to dig back into it because it hurts me every year because it's like D-Wade could have got finals MVP. And if you don't know, D-Wade is my favorite player, bro. And D-Wade would have easily won finals MVP in that series. I think he was averaging damn near 30. But every fourth quarter, LeBron just came up short. LeBron wasn't doing nothing. And it's just like, bruh, we had, we had that championship in the bag. We lost to Dirk Nowitzki and some role players. They, you know what I'm saying? They had J-Kid and J-Terry, but they was really out of their prime. So we really just lost to dirt and the whiskey. And that just make me sick just thinking about it, dog. Uh, let me move on. All right, man, the Philly and Miami game. You watched it last night? Yeah, it was pretty good. All right, bro. So uh, Miami ended up winning 108-104. to 104. So a lot of people coming into the season have Philly ranked as probably number one or number two behind Milwaukee for um, the ranks in the East. So we've seen them struggling during the beginning of the season. They're still 20-9. and nine. But is Miami now the second-best team in the East? Yeah, I feel like it's, it's really easy to say it now just because of the fact that not only did they beat Philly that night, but the young stars that dominated in that game. Like, Kendrick Nunn is really making a case for rookie of the year right now. And he didn't even start out as one of the top three picks for rookie of the year before the season started. So the fact that this young Miami Heat core is doing what they're doing right now, and the focus wasn't even on Jimmy Butler that game. It was Kendrick Nunn and Bam. Those were the two main people that you had to worry about the entire game. So yeah. this young Miami Heat team that's showing a lot of promise, they're going to put everybody on notice the later we get into the season. So I feel like once we get like right before All-Star break, that's when everybody's really going to start taking us serious and uh, understanding that the Heat – aren't just a team with a good record. They're a team with a good record that can honestly get to the um get to the finals. Not saying they'll win, but I've been saying for the past two, three weeks now the Miami Heat are definitely a finals contending Eastern Conference team. I still don't see it with the finals, bro. You keep saying it, bro, and I, I just can't get on that side right now, bro. I think we're a team that at the most, and I'm stretching it when I say this, because, yeah, I'm really stretching it when I say conference finals. Because I think we're a second-round team, and I'm a fan, and I still think we're a second-round team, bro. If we want to make a step further in the playoffs, bro, we got to get more size, man. Bam cannot be our biggest uh player down the stretch. Bam is 6'10", guarding 7'1", Joel Embiid, who got like 30, 40 pounds on him. 
Like, that has to change. We have to get more size if we want to get deeper in the playoffs. But other than that, man, Miami is solid in every way, bro. They have young perimeter defenders, bro. They got shooters. They got athleticism. They got Bam doing his thing at the center position. It's like everywhere they have a young stud. Yesterday, Jimmy Butler didn't even have a good game. He had 14 points, and we still won. And we, we basically dominated that game, or like in the second half at least. We dominated the second half until Philly wanted to make the comeback and they finally wanted to hit some shots. But segueing off that, um, the Heat were playing mostly a 2-3 zone the whole game. Philly couldn't hit shots until the end, like I said before. So does Philly need more shooting, especially when they see that in the playoffs? Do they need to acquire more shooting in any way, make a trade? What do you think? I feel like they, they've always needed better shooting, and it's just it's to the point now to where they, they're going to live or die in the playoffs by that, and I, it's, it's no other way to say it. I feel like right now I'm not really sure how they can do it. If they do trade, I'm not really sure what the trade what the trade expectation would be for Philly right now, but I do agree they, they need to upgrade their shooting. The same way you said Miami needs to upgrade their size, I fully agree. Because mm-hmm. I, I picked Philly at the beginning of the season. Remember, even though the Bucks are the best team in the East right now, I still picked Philly to make it to the finals. Even though I love the Heat, I love what I'm seeing. I, I picked Philly as my favorite to make it to the finals out of the East. So mm-hmm. if they want to do that, they need to make sure that they um they find a way to get some shooters after um during the trade. Yeah, and I feel like every team has shooters, bro. Like. Because we're going to talk about him later, man. But somebody like Davis Bertans from the Wizards, bro. The Wizards aren't doing anything, bro. So if you trade for somebody like Bertans who's shooting at like a 40, 46% clip, that's somebody that you need, bro. Bertans is basically automatic from the three-point line. So if you can trade for somebody like Bertans, maybe you can get JJ back or in a trade or something. Like, they need to do something, bro. Because what they have right now is not going to win them a championship. Ben Simmons still not shooting. Joel Embiid is not being as dominant as he should be. And the supporting cast isn't knocking down the shots like we thought they were coming into the season. Tobias has been under the radar. We haven't really heard too much about him. Al Horford is being solid like his usual self. And Richardson has been solid. But we need somebody to step up. We need either we need Ben Simmons to actually start shooting or we just need Joel to go crazy and just start dominating. One of the two has to happen. Or you have to acquire shooting. And Ben Simmons has really upset me. I was really eager to see him shoot more this year. And the fact that he hasn't. And the moments where he tries to is still not successful. After all the hype that he built up over the summer and during the preseason when he made his first three-pointer and all that and everything, I just, I had so much hype. And I was believing the hype because I was excited. I'm like, okay, he's finally confident. He's finally trying to serve by that look. Mm-hmm. I can be the shooter that you need me to be. And he, he just hasn't done it yet. He's underperformed. I'm just disappointed in it. I knew all that was cap. That's why we need to stop believing these YouTube, uh, these Instagram videos, man. These Instagram, these Twitter videos, we be believing. We should have we jumped off that bandwagon when Melo was being hoodie Melo and he wasn't even staying in the league. We should have jumped off that bandwagon. We let Ben oh, Simmons fool that. us. I can't tell the people that all the time. Just because they we keep Mello letting the Twitter videos fool us. <laughs> We keep letting it fool us, bro. We see Ben Simmons hit a couple shots in an open run with nobody playing defense, and we think he got a jump shot. And he comes in a regular season where everybody wants to see it, everybody's excited, 
and he does nothing. He doesn't even try. That's the problem with me. It's not even the fact that you got to hit the shot. Just shoot the ball, bro. You shooting the ball would have somebody actually guarding you. Bro, people are actually guarding when Ben Simmons is at the top of the key. The defender is at the free throw line, giving him hella space. That's why Miami was controlling the whole game with the 2-3 zone. Because we didn't even have to worry about Ben Simmons. We took him out of the game completely. But he did good on the defensive end. But, bro, offensively, we took him out the game. Real deal. All right, man. So the game of the night, we're watching it right now. And Milwaukee clapping the Lakers right now, man. So, obviously, these are the best two teams in their respective conferences. Lakers and Milwaukee. So who wins the battle of the MVP today? I feel like, you mean like as far as like cementing? Uh, no, nah, just who wins the game? Oh, who wins the game? I feel like not only just because we're watching that right now, but I feel like Milwaukee. Uh, what are you capping like a bit? Well, don't, hey, don't do that, boy. Don't do that, bro. Don't do that, bro. I want Lakers to win, but based off of when we started watching in the first two minutes, you could tell this was going to be a game that Milwaukee was going to win just for the fact that this is playing way better defense. And they're, I feel like they're a longer defensive team, even though the Lakers might be, quote-unquote, talent-wise better. Uh, Milwaukee is just a longer, like, more athletic. As far as their depth is concerned, they're a more athletic team, I'll say. So, But I, I want the Lakers to win. If they come back and win, that's great. But I, I feel like Milwaukee is going to get the win, plus they're at home. So, Yeah, um, I, I – <sighs> I was going with the Lakers coming into this game. I'm not even going to lie to you, but obviously that prediction looks looks wrong right now, down by 20. Hopefully they can make a comeback and actually make the game look interesting. But something interesting that I came upon um, on SportsCenter earlier today, they said Giannis is shooting 40% from the three in December. And I feel like Giannis is somebody that we, me and Edgar, have actually been sleeping on, like, truly. Like, I think, didn't you have him at number four? I think I had Giannis at number four in the MVP race. And he's putting up tremendous stats. And I have just come to the fact that I am normalizing Giannis' stats like most people do with Harden. I truly am. And I have to admit that myself. But, I, put, I think I put Giannis at, like, number three. Because I know I had LeBron one and I had Luka two. So I put, I put Giannis at three and I put Harden at, like, four. Okay, so three or four. But still, everybody else has him like in a realistic MVP race, just not our rankings. He's he's top two right now. And he's shooting 40% from the three, so that his three-point shot is starting to come along. Is it uh, sustainable? Uh, I'm not sure. The way we're seeing it right now and the way we've been seeing it throughout the season, I feel like, I feel like if he keeps it up, of course, it'll be sustainable. But I don't know. I just, you just don't usually see bigs like this just – being able to just drop it from three like that, especially the way he's been doing it in this game. I feel like, will it stay at 40%? No, but will he remain over? I'm just talking about sustainable sustainable as in just consistently. Is oh, this... no. I don't think it'll be this consistent, especially when playoff time comes. I don't think it'll be this consistent. Mm, so you think the pressure going to burst pipes? Yes. Mm. But Kawhi ain't in his conference no more. Kawhi is the only person to stop Giannis, to be honest. I don't know. I just feel until I see it, I can't. I just don't want to give into it. Mm, okay, I feel that. I, I don't feel like he'll be able to keep up shooting from shooting from three this great and playing this great in the paint. I don't feel like he's going to be able to do both. I feel like he's going to lean more so towards his natural game. Mm, I mean, if he's, if he's open yeah. for the three, he'll take it. But yeah. then, 
you want points when you can get them. But the way right now, how he's pulling up in some people's face half of the time right now, I don't feel like that's going to carry over into the postseason. Yeah, and it's starting to sag less. First of all, I, I think it's sustainable. I don't think 40% is sustainable, but I think 35 36% is definitely reachable for him or attainable for him. Um, and how he's shooting today is, is definitely gonna is definitely gonna stay on that. But I agree with Edgar that he's gonna resort in the playoffs to more of his natural game of attacking the rim. But they're not sagging on him as much. They're really starting to step up on him, so now he can drive past defenders with his length. So that's really starting to help him out, man. Him shooting shooting like this at a forty percent clip, people are starting to respect him now. They're starting to close that gap with the sag. So people, hey. Hey, Giannis might be it now, nah, man. And if he get this, we all know he dominated. We all know that, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. We all know he dominating the league if he get that. And the next topic is the Clippers versus Houston is coming up after this game. Who you got? Uh, I like Harden and Westbrook together, but I got to take the Clippers. Yeah. And the first two matchups have actually been, like, probably top top two or top three games of the year. I think both of them have came down to the stretch. Harden always shows up. I don't think PG played in the first one, but still the first two games they played against each other were classic. So I have to uh, predict another classic coming tonight. Up and the next topic, man. What happened to your boy Wiggins, man? You said you said he could keep it up. What happened to your boy Wiggins, Andrew Wiggins? He, he just ghosted on me. I really feel like that's what it is. He just ghosted. I don't... I don't know. It's like, uh, how do I say it? He, he hasn't ghosted in production-wise to me. I just feel like as far as value-wise, yeah. he, he he's ghosted yeah. to the point where it's like he's you're putting up numbers, but it's like you're not showing me true value to the team. Mm, yeah, and I agree with you, man, because I feel like he's still doing the same things he was doing earlier in the year when people were actually starting to look at Andrew Wiggins. But he's just not as impactful. And the Wolves are now on an eight-game losing streak. I mean, Cat's still doing his thing. And it's just like, man. And I thought taking Teague out of the starting lineup and letting Andrew Wiggins run the point uh, more would actually improve Wiggins' game. And it, like Edgar said, his production is still all right. You know what I'm saying? 20 points. But it's still nothing that's really jumped out at you. You know what I'm saying? It still wanes from game to game. It's just not like... The the exponential leap that we were looking forward to in the beginning of the season. And it, it sounds crazy saying this because if you look at his last four or five games, 19 points, 23 points, 26, 34, 27, like, and over, over four rebounds for the past, like, four games, you know, it's just like this, this isn't like, like we said, it's not like his stats aren't there. It's just even if somebody's doing great, if they're not really contributing to the win necessarily, it's it's like you're it's like you're there, but you're not there. Putting up empty stats, and I think the last two games when he put up 34 and 27, Cat won playing, so that's why his production like leaped through the roof. But those 23s and those 19s, it's like man, Wiggins, we need in the 30s, man. I need to see high 30s from you because nothing is holding you back from that. Jeff T coming off the bench now, you running the point. Is you is you and Carl Anthony Towns a show? Show me some. Don't 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 uh go back into the background. Show me some. It's your team. And honestly, honestly, I think Wiggins is gonna get end up getting traded to the Golden State Warriors. I was gonna wait till later to say this in the podcast, 
I'm going to say it now. I feel like he's going to get traded for D'Angelo Russell, and Wiggins will end up with the Golden State Warriors, and we will see the true Andrew Wiggins value. We're going to see the real Andrew Wiggins, that he can be a defensive stopper. Because when you put him in a system like the Golden State Warriors, when, with the healthy Clay, with the healthy Steph, with a healthy Draymond, you put him in that environment, I think, I think we can see the real Andrew Wiggins. So I predict the trade. Not this year, but in the summer. Because I don't think D'Angelo Russell will be there next year. So Wiggins will be on the Golden State Warriors, man. I'm counting on it, bro. And I actually hope it happens. And that's, that's one of my big predictions, man. Big, big predictions. Um, next, moving on to the Hall of Fame nominees. So if you don't know, the Hall of Fame nominees for 2020 dropped today. Um, some people on the first ballot list who are definitely going to get in is Kobe. You got Tim Duncan, you got Chris Bosh, you got KG, and you got Amari Stoudemire. Edgar, you think all those people are getting in on first ballot? Uh, I do, based off of the fact that the NBA, we were talking about this before the podcast started. It's not too hard, honestly, to get into the Basketball Hall of Fame. And the fact that 90% of the people on this first ballot list show every reason why they should be in based off of their career. I don't see any reason why none of them should uh, be knocked off for a first ballot. Kobe, Kobe is Kobe. Uh, two jerseys retired at the same time. Uh, five-time champion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We already know that, man. Get to the juicy stuff. We want to know about Amari Stoudemire, man. You think Amari getting in there first ballot? I, I do. I feel like he'll get in. And only reason I say this is it's, it would basically just be off of stats, if we're being honest. But, Edgar, this is what I want to tell you, though. This is what I want to tell you. Because we were talking about Chris Webber before this podcast, bro. And when I compared Amari Stoudemire stats to Chris Webber stats, they were vaguely similar. And you said you were hesitant on Chris Webber. So do you still think Amari Stoudemire gets in? Because I think he's a five-time All-Star. He averaged 19 for his career, something like that, 19 and 9 for his career. So him and Chris Webber were vaguely similar in that. So do you still think he gets in first ballot after saying that? Uh, now that you said that, it does make sense on why he wouldn't get in. I feel like he has more he has more second team, all NBA second teams than Chris Webber. So, I mean, you can kind of give him that nod. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's an Israeli league champ, so you got the international aspect thrown into that. So it's a, it's a couple more things that Stoudemire can throw in there to give him to give himself a reason on yeah. why he should be first ballot. But it, you do have a point where it's va- it's vaguely similar to Chris Webber. Mm-hmm. So it's, if he doesn't get in, I will understand. But at the same time, he, I I will understand if he does get in. Six time NBA All Star, All NBA First Team in two thousand seven, full time All NBA Second Team. You know, and Rookie of the Year, First Team for the rookies. You know, he, he has a pretty good basketball resume when it comes to his accolades. Yeah. So I, I feel like he, he could definitely um make a case on why he should get in. But if he doesn't get in first ballot, I feel like the the next year he'll get in. Yeah, I agree with Edgar, man. Uh, but like I said, though, Amari, Amari is on the fence for me. I think he will eventually get in, but I just don't I don't know about first ballot. But like I said, Kobe, Duncan, Bosch, Garnett, Locks, they already in there. Um, but we want to talk about the notable returners as well. So people who are on their second or third time around trying to get into the Hall of Fame is Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton, Ben Wallace, 
We even got Mark Jackson, who I didn't even think should be in there. And you got Chris Webber. So, Edgar, should Chris Webber be a Hall of Famer? Dig into your argument about Chris Webber. I feel like Chris Webber should be a Hall of Famer. And Quincy told me this before the podcast started. They, this, is why, this is why I brought up about um, the foreign stuff about Amari Stoudemire. You know, it's like Chris Webber has stuff from college. Yeah, that he can use to his resume. They count all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like you. He played for Michigan during the Fab Five years, you know. So the fact that you're you're memorable off of your college years alone, without even having to talk about your NBA years at all. So the fact that you were all you were a McDonald's MVP, All American. You know, you made the um, you made the rookie uh all team. You, you were the rookie of the year when you got into the league, first overall pick. Yep. You know, I feel like he, he gave himself every reason why he should be into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. There were reasons why he couldn't have got in first ballot, and it's yeah. understandable. But I feel like now, since he hasn't gotten in, and this is years later, I feel like now it's, it's a great time to put him in. This would be a good class to put him in with. But you know why, Chris? I think another reason why Chris Weber is not in, bro, is that he also, even though he did good things at Michigan, he had those violations as well that got those banners taken down from Michigan. So I think that affected him as well for his his legacy at Michigan. That is still tied to him. So even though he got to a couple of Final Fours, a couple of championship games with Michigan, that the fact that he had that uh, NCAA violation with um, the booster and got all the banners taken down at Michigan, I think people still think about that when they think of Chris Webber. And I think Jalen Rose holds that against him to this day as well. Um, so that's something, another reason why Chris Webber probably isn't in. But I think he should get in off his college and his NBA things uh, tied together. I think he should get in. And I want to say this is fourth time. The stuff that happened with him in Michigan, I feel like that, that was good enough reason to not make him first ballot. The fact mm-hmm. that we're talking about a couple years later now is like, okay, we, we can't just hold that against him every single time now. The very first time, it's understandable. Mm-hmm. But second and third time, it's like, okay, like that, that's just a tired argument that doesn't hold weight to the rest of the, of the good stuff that he's done. Mm-hmm. And some other players from the notable returners who I think should have been in, bro, is Chauncey Big Shot Billups, bro. I thought he was already in is the crazy thing. I thought he was already in. Chauncey Billups needs to be in there, bro. Come on. And Ben Wallace should already be in there. Ben Wallace is a four-time defensive player of the year, a four-time All-Star, bro, and four-time, I want to say second-team All-NBA, second or third-team All-NBA. Put that man in the Hall of Fame, bro. They already have legacies with the, the Pistons, that championship team who upset one of the most dominant teams of all time with the, the Lakers with Shaq, Kobe, Karl Malone, Gary Payton, even though they were, uh, the last two were in the back end of their careers, man. Their legacies are tied to that 04 championship, man. And those are the most notable names from that championship team. So, and let's not forget, Chauncey won finals MVP. Exactly. So that, that's another reason why I don't understand why he's not in yet. Yeah. I thought Chauncey was already in, so it was crazy to see that he wasn't in yet. And Ben Wallace, like I said, four-time defensive player of the year, man. If you're the best at something for a long period of time like Ben Wallace was, bro. And he was only six. He was doing that at 6'8". Man, that's crazy. He was guarding. He was holding down Shaq during that finals, bro. I don't think y'all understand. He was holding down Shaquille O'Neal, seven foot two ninety. Somebody who was six eight two fifty was holding that down. 
Ben Wallace should be in the Hall of Fame, bro. It shouldn't even be a discussion, man. Put that man in the Hall, too. Rip Hamilton, uh, I can understand why he not in the Hall. You know what I'm saying? He was like a second-tier player behind Chauncey and Ben. Um, and Mark Jackson, I don't even know why he was in consideration. We were looking at his stats before we came on the podcast. And for his career, he averaged nine points and eight assists for his career. I think people wanted to throw him in just for the assists because he's fourth all-time in assists. But I don't think he should be in. Uh, what do you think? I feel the same. I mean, it, his resume really just doesn't speak volumes when you look at it. And that's from college and um, and pros. Yeah. You know, it's just there's nothing there to say why he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I think that's why I said the Basketball Hall of Fame is literally almost the easiest Hall of Fame to get into, mm -hmm. if I'm being completely honest. I mean, he did win Rookie of the Year his rookie season, and he only made the All-Star team once, but, hey, he made it. So mm -hmm. I, I guess yeah. I guess there's some type of argument you can use. But other than that, there's, there's just nothing to point at and say, yeah, he definitely deserves it for this. So mm -hmm. I, I just don't see the reason. Yeah. All right, man, so moving off our Hall of Fame discussion, I wanted to get into something that I thought was um, a pretty intriguing topic or intriguing debate. So, well, we, to, just, say one, just to say one more thing about Mark Jackson, you okay. know what else is a good reason why they would probably make him He's the coach uh, of the Warriors. And he was the reason um, the Warriors are the Warriors. Yeah, so that, that plays a huge part in it now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. But that's the yeah, only reason I would put him in is for the Warriors. Yeah. Yeah. But his play didn't say that. And he didn't win a championship. I think if he would have won a championship with the Warriors like he should have and all of Steve Kerr's championships are Mark Jackson's, I think he would be in the Hall of Fame. But since he didn't, and I don't like the fact that they make him call all the finals games too. Like that jump would have hurt me. You got me calling all these games and I should be the coach. That jump pissed me off all the time. But, yeah, uh, he shouldn't be on the Hall of Fame off his player, but his coaching is definitely top tier, man. And I don't know. He should be a coach right now, we're being honest, too. Somebody need to pick him up. New York, uh, Cleveland need to fire B-line, get him in there. There's a lot of young teams that could use a Mark Jackson right now, if we're being completely honest. But like I said, man, I wanted to get into an intriguing topic about Donovan Mitchell or Trey Young. So these two are playing against each other tonight. And I wanted to ask Eggert, man, who would you rather have, Donovan Mitchell or Trey Young? Both are dynamic as hell. I honestly would pick Trey Young, and I just feel like mm. just, I just see I just see so much potential in him as being just such a great shooter in the future. He's already showing so many signs of that now, and the I mean they both put tremendous effort in. Like if we if we talk about who's the better driver to the basket, you know I'll, I'll say Donovan Mitchell, but the one who can get the shots off more clutch and just more efficiently, I'll say Trey Young. And right now, with the way the league is, how everybody just needs to have high shooting efficiencies to be dominant, I feel like Trey Young will be that better option. This job actually tough, man. I know a lot of people will go Trey Young because he is the second coming of a Steph Curry, bro. But I just love two way players, man. I really love Hoopers like a Donovan Mitchell. So if I was to start my team, I would definitely start it with a Donovan Mitchell. Just because what I'm getting on both ends of the floor. And I know he's going to hit the shot at the end of the game. He has everything on the offensive when it's the mid-range. He has the three. He has the rack game. And you're giving me defense. It's nothing that he can't do, really. And he's athletic for his position. So I feel like it's nothing he can't do. 
And with Trey Young, it's like you still can poke holes in his game, but he's just so dynamic with the ball in his hands, man. But I don't think he can play off the ball like a Donovan Mitchell can. I feel for Trey Young. I will say that Mitchell does play off the ball a little bit better than than Trey at the moment. But I feel like Trey will grow into that. He won't be as Mm -hmm. dynamic as a two-way player as Donovan Mitchell. Oh, yeah. He'll for his size and for his skill set, I feel like he won't disappoint with what he'll grow into. Yeah, but Trey, like, yeah, because Steph Curry isn't a two-way player, but obviously he's a top-five player in the league, so that can obviously go in Trey Young's favor as well. But right, if I'm if I just said who I'm picking, I would I would definitely ride with Donovan Mitchell, man. I would, I would just have to. I love that man game. I feel like he really is a second coming of a D Wade, with just with a way better shot. And I, I would, I would ride with, I would ride with Mitchell, man. But Trey Young is Steph, bro. But I just, like I just said earlier, man, I think he just needs the ball in his hands. And to, to see the whole Trey Young package, he has to have the ball in his hands because he's so dynamic as a passer and as a shooter. So having the ball in his hands, just creating for everybody else, is really the best for him. When with Donovan Mitchell, he can give you it, he can give you it on the ball and off the ball. So that's just how I would ride with that argument. But something I was also hearing from the Hawks camp is that Lloyd Pierce is on the hot seat for some reason, bro. And I don't know, bro. We need to keep black coaches in the league, but they're trying to get that man up out of there, man. John Collins has been suspended for 20 games. Trey Young ain't got no help right now. Karen Reddish, you know what I'm saying? He a rookie, so obviously he has his ups and downs. So should Lloyd Pierce, and they're currently 6-22, so should Lloyd Pierce be on the hot seat for the Atlanta Hawks? I don't feel like he should be on the hot seat just based off of the fact that the past few years, how we've seen his impact with um, Mark Jackson um, the one year that night, it wasn't even a full year. I think it was only like a couple months that he was able to be around Mark Jackson with the Warriors mm-hmm. and what he was able to do as time with the Grizzlies and recently uh, with the 76ers, how he was able to work with Embiid and Simmons and with that Philadelphia team. I feel like his resume speaks for itself on how impactful he can be to a team. And I feel like he would be he would be a great he's a great fit to stay with this yeah. Atlanta Hawks team because he works well with young players based mm-hmm. off of the rosters that he's worked with in the past. Yep, 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 man. If you let him go, man, I don't know where y'all gonna go, man. Because I think Trey Young actually loves this coach. So if you get uh, rid of Lloyd Pierce, man, I don't know. Yeah, he, I, he connects with players so well. Exactly, man. And you haven't had your second best player for since like the second week of the season. So you're gonna get rid of get rid of your coach when you haven't seen him at or haven't seen the team at its fullest potential yet? Come on, man. The Hawks gotta tighten up, man. I don't like hearing that about my black coaches, man. You gotta tighten up. Um, but before we move into college basketball, I just wanted to give a huge shout out to, like I said before, I spoke about him, uh, Davis Bertans, man. I know a lot of people don't watch the Wizards because they suck, but. This man, Bertans, has been hooping, man. He has scored 20 points in six of his last nine games. And if you don't know who Bertans is, he used to play for the Spurs last year. And he was traded to the Wizards during the offseason. He was rarely used with the Spurs. He was a sharpshooter. When he did get in, he was he was flamethrowing. But he was rarely used. And now he's with the Wizards just doing his thing. He's shooting at like a 46% clip from the three. He went from eight points last year. Now he averaging like 16 and that's why I said a team like Philly would really need somebody like a Davis Bertans or anybody else that badly needs a shooter. Davis Bertans is your guy. 
And I just wanted to give a shout out to Duncan Robinson, man, because that man has a flamethrower as well. And if you let that man get his feet set, it's a wrap, man. Everybody knew that since college, and he's still doing it in the league. Let's get it. Um, moving on to college basketball. Edgar, tell these boys about James Wiseman, man. Uh, James Wiseman, the uh, future NBA pick, top five, top five NBA pick for this upcoming draft uh, in 2020, has decided to leave the Memphis uh, basketball team due to the fact that the NCAA just keeps messing with him with his situation that he was in a few about a month. What was it like two months ago? Yeah, about about a, yeah about a month ago. Well, yeah, about about a month ago, if you don't remember, James Wiseman was uh, accused of um, getting boosting help from Coach Hardaway at Memphis. Yep. And uh, he had to deal with that by how many games was he suspended for? He was suspended for 12 games. He was allowed to play, like, I want to say two games. Three. He played three. He played three. In total. Yeah, in total. He's only played three out of the um, 12 games that he was suspended for. So the fact that he's still not playing right now, he's decided to um, just stop playing for Memphis as a whole, and he's going to declare for the NBA draft this um, upcoming summer. And, yeah, that's that's basically what's going on right now. Yeah. He says, screw it. He don't want to waste time. Exactly. He'll just he'll exactly. wait for the draft and train on his own and prepare. And this was breaking news. This junk, this uh, news dropped earlier today. And Edgar brought up an interesting conversation to me. I don't think it would happen, but – he, he brought up the fact that he thinks James Wiseman's stock could fall. So, Edgar, I want you to uh, expound on that thought. I feel like James Wiseman's stock will fall because, first off, we get it. He's, he's over seven foot. He's, he's six foot. Um, I mean, he's uh, 240, and he just he plays his position so dominantly in basketball right now for college. But I feel like with... Mellow Ball still being projected to be the number one pick. Anthony Edwards at Georgia. Cole Anthony. You know, these three or four other players, you feel me? I feel like they're going to be able to continue their seasons and build their cases on why they should be the top three or four picks as opposed to James Wiseman. I get it. He's he's still great. His health isn't an issue at all. He's literally just not playing the rest of the season. So Mm -hmm. I feel that would be the only reason why his draft stock will fall because everybody else gets to broadcast to everyone that they're getting mm. better, and he's going to have to do it behind closed doors, basically. Yeah, but like I was telling Edgar, I was like, if he was some, if the NBA let people go from high school to the league, he would have been one of those people that would have went from high school to the league. Uh, he's a top-tier talent. He's already 7'1", like Edgar said, 240. And I think he's going to end up with the Warriors somehow. Obviously, the Warriors suck right now, but... They're going to end up with a top three, top five pick. Maybe the number one pick. Who knows what the lottery, uh, what they say, lottery uh, percentages. So, I think the Warriors are going to be loaded next year. Because this is my prediction. I think they're going to have Steph. I think they're going to have Clay. I, like I said earlier, I think Andrew Wiggins will end up getting traded to the Warriors for D'Angelo Russell and probably something else. I don't really know right now. And I think you're going to have Draymond at the four. And then you have James Wiseman at the five. So no matter if it's the first or the fifth pick, because it's going to be somewhere in the top five, I think James Wiseman will end up on the Warriors. And I love it, man, because the Warriors are going to be back on top of the league, man. If everybody stay healthy, that's the best team in the league. Honestly, if my if everything that I just said comes true, you know what I'm saying, everything can uh, you know fall through. But if everything I just said comes true, 
the Warriors will be that back dominating the league again. And I don't care about LeBron and AD. I don't care about uh, Milwaukee. I don't care about Yon, uh, Kawhi and PG. I don't care about none of that. Warriors will be back on top of the league if everything I said comes true. Y'all gonna see. Y'all probably think I'm crazy right now because y'all like Wiggins to the Wiggins to the Warriors. Ew. But I'm telling you, when Wiggins gets on a championship, a championship culture, his game is gonna skyrocket. I'm telling y'all, man. I, I feel like it'll help because he won't have to necessarily be that guy. Exactly. His, his numbers will be so much more appreciated for the fact that he won't be the reason the team wins or loses. All he'll have to do is play his game. Yep. Because that 18 points he averaging now or that 18, 20 points that he averaging now, you put that 18, 20 points on a Golden State team? Bruh, that's what we expect. But we obviously want him to take a leap. But he wouldn't have to take a leap if he was to go to Golden State. That 18 and 20 points is a good game. You know what I'm saying? That 18 for 20 for Minnesota, it's like you leaving us wanting more. So I think it would be a change of scenery for both. I think if um, D'Angelo Russell was to get traded for... Wiggins, and if he was to go to the Timberwolves, I think him and um, Cat would be a good combo as well. So that's something I want to see too. I want to see the, uh, my man D'Angelo Russell game flourish as well. Um, back to college basketball. Uh, Ohio State lost to Minnesota. Who did you have as your best team in the college basketball last week? Uh, I said Ohio State was still the best team in uh, basketball right So now. how you felt about that loss? I feel like it was really just an off night. I don't want to say they, I don't want to say they played down to their competition, but they definitely just the better team won that night. It was Minnesota. They just clicked so much on um, so much better than Ohio State. Ohio State couldn't get any shots off at all. Everybody just had an off shooting night. Nobody even got twenty points out of the whole roster. So mm. I just feel like it was. It was just a real dry night for Ohio yeah. State. I still feel like they're the best team in the nation right now, though. Yeah. Uh, this is their first loss of the season. Uh, they play Kentucky this uh, this Saturday. They play Kentucky this Saturday, and Kentucky just lost as well. Yeah. And I feel like it's going to be a good game, but even though Ohio State has dropped in the rankings, I still feel like they're the best team in the nation. Yeah. That Kentucky and Ohio State game going to be solid. Like Edward just said, Utah had upset Kentucky last night, which was – Wednesday, um, I actually watched that game. It was it was a good game to the end, man. Utah Utah got a, has a lot of freshmen, but they got a lot of freshmen that can hoop, man. And their best player is a sophomore. He nice too, but Kentucky still uh, has a, a good supporting cast. Um, somebody didn't play for Kentucky. Somebody big didn't play for Kentucky. Damn, I can't I can't forget. Uh, I forgot his name. But somebody was out for Kentucky. That's really why they lost. But it was still a good game to the end. I still You're have about uh ah uh, what's Was it Sestina? I think it was Nate Sestina who was out for them. I think he played uh, power forward for them. And I think I he would have... Uh, no, Richards played. Richards played. Um, yeah, it, was it might have been Sestina. It, it might have been who it was. Yeah, so Nate Sestina didn't play. And I think he's somebody that makes a huge difference on that team because they still, which has been Kentucky's problem for years, do not have enough shooting. They have Tyrese Maxey. He can go on and off. They have quickly. He's on and off. But Sestina was somebody who was supposed to be real consistent with his three-point stroke. And I think that would have came in handy last night against a Utah team. Bro. Um, who can shoot the lights out? Um, and something else I wanted to say before we headed out of here, man, is UNC sucks. They really suck, bro. 
Uh, without even with Cole Anthony, they sucked. And this is not your daddy's UNC team, man. It's not your granddaddy's UNC team. They suck, literally. They lost to Wofford earlier this week or early, uh, late last week, and then they lost to Gonzaga. That's not a bad loss, but still, they just suck. Without Cole Anthony, they're not even a good to watch. Like, I watched them last night against Gonzaga, and it was just nasty, nasty to watch. They have nobody except for Cole Anthony. I don't even think this team going to make the tournament. They're so disgusting to watch. I yeah. think Cole Anthony needs to just go to the league just like uh, Wiseman did, honestly. It's really disappointing to watch. I wouldn't say Cole Anthony should just go to the league. I feel like if you if you don't have a reason other than your school is trash to leave, don't leave because then you're going to encourage a lot of other players to say, well, my team's trash, so I'm just not going to play. And I don't feel like it should be like that. I feel like if, if you have a legit reason, like James Wiseman, as to why you just don't want to play anymore because you almost can't, then that's different. But if you're just like, my team's trash, I don't want to play, I don't feel like that would be helpful to NCAA because NCAA is on the thread as it is, and a lot of people feel like people should just leave out of high school anyway. It's, it's happening in 2021, a couple years, man. I think they're going to change it. I think it's supposed to change 2021. High school is supposed to get back in. So it's, it's coming regardless, but UNC sucks. And Cole Anthony, I forgot what type of injury he has. Let me look it up. I forgot what injury he has. Mm, he has an injured knee. Oh, yeah. He don't need to play for this team no more. If he got a knee injury, he ain't, he ain't got to play for them. They suck. Like I said, they suck with him. He the best player by a lot. And without him, ugh, it's, it's just terrible to watch. Um, Anything else before we head out? All right, Edgar, give me some predictions for basketball, man. Anything, basketball, uh, NBA, college basketball, something. Uh, let me give a bold prediction. Let me see. Let me see. Uh, Actually, let me let me get some of the biggest games coming up for the um, for the next uh, couple of days. All right. We got, uh, give me one second. You can give yours first if you want. Um, unless, you, unless you want to wait on me. What am I saying? What am I saying? What am I saying? I got to look now. Uh, like oh, I said, if I do Hall right of Famers, now. I'm going to give, I'm gonna, like I said, Hall of Famers, Chauncey Billups getting in, Ben Wallace getting in this year. I feel like people going to come to their senses. I feel like I made a lot of predictions today. Like I said, this is predictions for next year, but Wiggins will end up on the Warriors. James Wiseman will end up in the Warriors. Warriors will be a powerhouse again in the NBA. I said it. All right, but what you got for the games? Uh, we honestly don't have any real big games coming up over the next couple days. Mm. Ah, yeah, it's no big games before Christmas from what I'm seeing. A lot of people going home, that makes sense. Yeah, it's no big games before Christmas. So let me give an NBA prediction. All right. I feel like the Mavs will win four out of their next five games. Without Luca. Without Luca. I feel like mm -hmm. the Mavs will go four for five. Four out of five. Mm-hmm. And I guess the only other big game would be like I said earlier, Ohio State versus Kentucky is Saturday, I wanna say. So definitely look forward to that. Before we head out, I want Edgar to hit y'all with the social media. You can follow us on Twitter at QE Podcast One. You can follow us on Instagram at Q underscore and underscore E underscore podcast. And you can follow our Facebook page, Q&E Podcast. Yes, you can follow me on Twitter at Q underscore Hicks. You can follow Eggert on Twitter at EggertMartin97. 
Follow bro on Instagram at Edgar Martin Official, man. And like I said, we got a YouTube up, so check up our YouTube. You can check us out at Q&E Podcast. We're on YouTube now, making visuals for the podcast, so check that out. If you have any questions, hit us up on social media. We got an email to Podcast at gmail.com if you have anything uh, if you want to send us. And that's it. Also, subscribe to all our social media uh, forms or some, what I want to say, podcast platforms. We're on Apple Music. We're on CastBox. We're on Spotify. We're everywhere you got your pod. We're getting your podcast played, man. So check us out. And we're out. Peace.